Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. My name is Drew Phillips. If you're new, um, I'm the Next Steps pastor here. Been here for about a year and a half now. Um, and we are glad that you are with us on this Labor Day weekend. Um, hopefully you have some fun plans with family or friends um, or maybe just some projects around the house to do kind of our commercial for today. Things I want to promote is Discovering Calvary. If you're new and you've been wanting to figure out a little bit more of what Calvary is all about, Sunday night, next Sunday, September 9th, we're going to have Discovering Calvary. And this is a great opportunity for you to come to hear more about Calvary, but then also to ask your questions that you may have. It's a great time. And if nothing else, you get to spend two hours with me. And so for nothing else, that, that is the price of admission is just getting to spend two hours with me and find out some, um, some ins and outs. So I encourage you, whether you go to the info hub, yourcalvary.info, or if you go back to the Next Step space, you can sign up there. There's free child care um, during that time. But we would love to have you join us um, and check out and hear what God is doing um, here at Calvary and if you, um, how you can be a part of that. Today... I have the opportunity to talk about my most favorite verse of all time. It's a little bit oversold, but the creative team liked it, so we went ahead and with it. And I don't know exactly how I feel about having my face that big on the screen, but it is what it is. So we're going to go with it today. But this has been a verse for me that has been probably the most impactful verse in my life and the most influential verse through different times of my life. And Today, we're going to focus on one particular time where that was most impactful. Again, it's been something that has went to and from at different points, has been one of those things that has shown itself to be useful. But today, we're going to focus on one specific time um, and probably the most formational time for me. So my favorite verse, as you can see, is Romans 12, 12. And it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And today, for our purposes, I want to look not only at those verses, but I also want to focus a little bit on the verses around it. A big fancy word that they teach you in seminary is pericope. And this pericope is this idea that what are the, what are the verses surrounding it? So you just can't take a verse and apply it, but what, what is the whole thought that the author is trying to communicate? And so we're going to take a look at that today. So if you have your Bibles, phones, tablets, If you want to look on the screen, however you want to get there, get to Romans 12, 9 through 16. We're going to read what Paul had for the church in Rome and also for us today. It says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving in the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So this is a whole passage that Paul is kind of laying out how a Christian should live and should operate in our world today. For me, um, the specific passage of Romans 12.12 became really important in 2008. In 2008, I had graduated, um, uh, 2007, I had graduated from the University of Indianapolis, and I felt that God was leading me and a group of us that were part of this college ministry to go plant a church in Eugene, Oregon. And I've shared 
stories from that time before because that for me was one of the biggest and most formational times in my life and specifically around this verse. So I move out there with this group of people and I'm just part of the church. So I've got to find a job. Well, as I said, I graduated from the University of Indianapolis at that time with a degree in sociology. In case you're curious, a degree in sociology does not translate well to work in Eugene, Oregon, or anywhere for that matter. It's hard to find a job with a sociology degree, but that's what I had. It allowed me to finish on time, and that's a whole other story that we won't get into today. But for that purpose, I move out there. And again, I said it was 2008, and this is when the housing market crashed, and we went into a recession, and, and everything was a little bit harder to find work. Well, I moved out there in August, and by October, I had three job offers, all in sales. And there was one particular job at this company called Learning Services that I felt like, this, this is where God wants me to be. So I accepted that job and turned down the other two. And I was going to start on a Monday, and that weekend before, my sister had flown out. And she'd flown out to spend the weekend with me, and so we hung out, had some fun, and at 5 a.m. on Monday morning, I drive her to the train station in Eugene, put her on a train to send her up to Portland so she can catch her flight and head home. So I do that, get home, it's about 7.45, I'm getting ready for work, and I get this phone call. Uh, Drew, yeah? Um, I hate to do this, but our parent company, which was Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in Boston, just went on a hiring freeze today. And since we had not signed your employment papers yet, um, we don't have a job to offer you. So again, it was our decision, mine being my, that our being the company and myself, that there was no reason to go in and sign those papers. I would just do it on the first day of work. No big deal. Don't need to come in for an extra time. And so didn't do that and thus did not have a job. And so I called quickly those other two companies back. They had already filled the positions. Um, And so now here I am with no job. And this continued for the next nine months. I was overqualified or underqualified for every job that I applied. I tried as a, at a grocery store. I tried at Barnes and Noble. I tried at Taco Bell. I tried to do seasonal help at the mall. Nothing. Could not get a job. Now, what I was starting to go through at this point was this idea of, God, what are you doing? I moved here 3,000 miles away from home because I felt like you were calling us here and you can't even provide me a job? It was a very confusing time for a 24-year-old. And I battled some depression and some loneliness and finding purpose in my life. But this verse for me was a rock during that time. So let's, let's break it down a little bit. First part of the instruction we get from Paul is to be joyful in hope. And Daniel just finished up a two-week series on Gideon. And the last one he talked about the battles that we go through. And isn't that true? We are all going through battles in life. There's all, all kinds of things that we are dealing with and trying to work through. And one of the best ways to battle those difficult times is to be joyful in hope. To celebrate And we sang about the hope that we have today, and there is a hope that we have that we know as followers of Jesus that this this is not our final chapter, that one day we will get to go live in heaven with with God and be there with Him, and we, we can look forward and have hope that whatever we're going through today does not have to happen for eternity. 
But if I'm honest with you, when I was sitting on the other end of that phone when they told me that, that hope did not really sink in all that much. I needed a hope, I needed a hope for that day. I think all of us need a hope for, for right now. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And that's the beauty of the song we just got singing is that we are a child of God. And that's the hope that we have in, in Jesus. It's a hope that whatever we are going through, whatever we are dealing with, does not have to define us. We're not defined by the anxiety that we're feeling. We're not defined by the mistakes that we've made. We're not defined by the situation that we're currently walking in, but we are defined by what God calls us and tells us who we are, a son and daughter of the king. And we can find hope in that. Does that mean that all of our problems are going to go away? No. But it does mean that we have a Father who loves us and that we can find hope and freedom in life for today and not just have to wait for eternity. So my question for you today, one of them is this, what do you find your hope in? Is it in that job that you hope you get? Is it in that spouse that you hope you'll have? The kids that you want. For me, it's one of the things I've said this before is that the house that you ultimately dream that you're going to live in and be able to host all these great parties and have a good time, is that what you're finding your hope in? Have you found your hope in Jesus? And if you slow down and really take stock of where your hope is and where your joy is found, where would that be? The beautiful thing is, in my opinion, that joy and hope can come from different places at different times. All comes from Jesus, but can f- be found in different places. So for me right now, it's Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, and it says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Such beautiful words by Jesus. And we live in a day and a time that we run around so crazy that to be able to find a place to find rest. In the message translation that Eugene Peterson talks about, he calls, come to me and have a real rest. Right now, currently, what's going on in my household is I have an almost one-year-old that in the last two weeks decided to get five teeth. So you can imagine what my household has been. There's not been a whole lot of sleep going on in my household and a lot of early mornings and I've been really tired and I've been really short with my other two kids because I'm so tired. But I know that I can rest in who I am and I'm not defined by the times that I lose my temper, the times where I don't feel like I'm the best husband in the world, but I can come and I can find rest in Christ and I can find forgiveness And for me, right now, I find hope in that. I find hope in the fact that I can rest and live as Christ did, and I can find rest for my soul. That, for me, is where I'm finding my hope and my joy today. So I'm hopeful for you. I'm hopeful that you will find something that you can rejoice in. That through a difficult time, if you're walking through that or if you're going to about to walk into that, that you'll find something that you can hold on to that's going to give you joy, that's going to last more than just a short time. But that is in Christ. I hope that's in Christ. Our second instruction is this, is be patient in affliction. In my opinion, this is probably the most difficult of all three of them. Because we do not live in a society that is okay with being patient. We want the quick fix. 
We want the life hack. We want to figure out how to change this so that we can get out of the situation that we're currently in and make it better. I fell in the same trap when I was looking for a job. I was trying to do anything. I was trying to take my, what I could do and my power to make things happen. And I'm not saying that you're going through a tough time if you can't find a job that don't just sit on your hands and wait for God to plop a job in your lap. I'm not saying that. I, but I was trying everything that I could and I wasn't being patient. And slowly, over time, during those nine months, God started to do a work on my heart that he was up to something and I just needed to wait. During this time, my parents trying to be good parents, felt terrible, said, hey, let us send you some money. Let us send you some money. And at first, it started out in a very proud posture. No, don't send me money. I'm a big boy. I can provide for myself. I don't need help from you. Slowly over time, though, started to realize, no, I still don't don't want you to send me any money. But I I think God's up to something, and I'm trying to figure out what that is, and I'm trying to be patient in that process. James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in James 1-2, very familiar verse. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. As followers of Jesus, it's important for us to remember that formation does not happen in a microwave. I I use this example. Um, When I was in school, when I was in college, um, there were some classes that I took that were more difficult than others. So my speech class that I took was a very easy class. For me to get up and talk in front of people has never been anything that I've been super nervous about, super scared of. So for me to get up and to talk about any topic in the world, not that big of a deal. I didn't grow a whole lot in that class. But in my physics class, in my chemistry class, in my anatomy class, when I was going to study physical therapy, those classes, man, I grew so much. Because you know what? I actually had to crack open the book and I had to read I had to study. I had to get in a study group. I had to have a tutor come and help me figure out how to do that. And the growth and the satisfaction after that class was so much more than when I got my A in speech and I didn't have to work for it at all. The same is true for us in our walk with Jesus. That if we're truly going to be formed into this, to the image of Christ and what he's calling us to do, it's going to take time and it might take a little bit of effort. And we need to be patient. We need to be patient so that we can become mature. So that God can grow us up. If we're not willing to be patient and wait for it, we'll try to take these shortcuts. And it might work for a little bit, but then you're going to hit this situation where you weren't patient enough. And God had something for you. He had a blessing. He had a lesson that he wanted to teach you, but you weren't patient enough to wait for it. And you're going to be sitting there thinking, man, I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have waited. So be patient in affliction. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Final instruction is this, be faithful in prayer. In my opinion, this is the anchor of the first two. If you're able to be faithful in prayer, then it's a lot easier to be joyful in the hope that we have in Jesus 
And it's a lot easier to be patient in the tough times. It helps us stay grounded in our faith. When we're faithful in bringing our hopes, fears, praises, worries, and concerns to God, He's faithful to hear them. Another one of my favorite verses that I considered speaking on today was this. Philippians 4, 6-7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I told this story in the last two, and it didn't hit me till this morning. I don't know why I didn't put things together, but it hit me this morning, so I want to share this story with you. Um, so my parents had this rule growing up in our house that um, I was not allowed to get my ears pierced or a tattoo. And I was blessed enough that they were able, they came and they paid for my undergrad, and they told me, if you got an earring or if you got a tattoo, you're on your own for school. So being any well-respecting son, what did I do? Well, I tested that line. <laughs> And I went out and I got my ears pierced. Did I want my ears pierced? No. But it wasn't quite as permanent as the tattoo was. And so I went out, got my ears pierced, came home a couple days, weeks later, and immediately my mom starts bawling. I can't believe you did this. Why would you do this? You know, all this stuff. My dad's upset. Okay. Go back home. Everything's fine. I survived it. I think we're doing okay. A couple weeks later, I get the bill for that month of school sent to my house. So what did I do? I took the earrings out, took those and that bill, shoved it in another envelope with a note that said, I'm sorry, and mailed it back to my parents. <laughs> and they were right. They held up their end of the bargain. So I knew at that point a tattoo was out of the possibility and I was going to have to wait. So then I graduate college. I know I'm going to Eugene. And so I'm living at their house just to try to save up as much money as I can. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my tattoo now. Well, then they said, well, if you want to live under our roof, Still, no tattoos. Okay, you proved your point that time. So a week and a half, two weeks before I get ready to move, I set up this appointment with this guy who had done all my buddy's tattoos in Broad Ripple, and I sneak off and I go and get this tattoo on my arm, and I've got it right here. And it's Korean, and it says, the peace of God. And it's from this verse. And little did I know when I got that tattoo how much I was going to need that over the next nine months. How much I was going to need that over the next nine months. How much of a reminder that was going to be for me. Because we have an enemy. And his main goal that he wants to do is he wants to get at our minds. He wants to get at our minds. And when we're going through a tough situation, wants us to try to overthink it. Wants us to try to figure it out. We figured out this before. I'm going to work through it. I'll figure it out. And he, and, and he wants to control what we think about. He also wants to get at our heart. He wants to get at our emotions, how we feel about things. And if he can start to control our emotions and he can start to control our mind, then it's easier for him to start to take us away from what God has for us. So that's why in this verse, when it says, bring everything that you have, don't be anxious, but bring it with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart in your mind, in Christ Jesus. And as Daniel said last week, when we were talking about how do we pray, what do we look for when we're going through a battle, one of the things that we need to be looking for and we need to be praying for is peace. What does it look like when you're going through a tough circumstance, a hard time in your life, 
and you're peaceful through it. And you're able to handle it. You're able to trust God. And so when you pray for that and you start to experience that, that's how you know that God is showing up in your life. But a lot of times, that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen the first time. So again, there were many times I'd get an email, hey, thank you for applying for this position. We're so thankful that you did. Unfortunately, at this time, we've decided to go with another applicant. I got a lot of those emails. And I would love to tell you that immediately I dropped down to my knees and I started praying. And by the time I got done praying, I stood up and I felt good about everything. That I was at peace, that everything was good with the world, and I was able to go on. But that's not true. That happens sometimes. But one thing that I learned through this process is that I needed to be faithful in prayer. That I needed to persevere in prayer. And that at times, yes, there was going to be some peace that immediately came. But at times, I was going to have to be patient for it and remain faithful. So how did it all work out? So during this time as well, as I'm looking for a job... Um, I'm continuing to check in with my employer, the person who I had the job with. Hey, did the hiring freeze leave, lift? No. Every month I'd call back. In the meantime, um, my tax return that year was exactly what I needed for one month of bills. That covered my bills for a month with my tax return. The next time it started to get a little bit low, numbers started to drop in the bank account. Um, my church community came alongside, and I'd go to pay my electric bill, and it had been covered that month. Or I'd go to pay rent, and the landlord would say, oh, it's already been taken care of. So my community came around me, and they supported me. And then finally, I got a letter in the mail. It was from my third grade Sunday school teacher. And in it, it said, hey, Drew, I was praying the other day, and I felt like the Lord said you needed it, and it was extra for me. Hope it's okay, I got your address from your parents. And it was exactly what I needed for two months of bills. And it was one of those things, I hadn't talked to that third grade Sunday school teacher since fifth grade. And here I am, 24 years old, and she was praying for me and God laid that on her heart. Now one of the things that I want to recognize here, and I really really do count this as a blessing is that I got to walk through all of this as a single adult. I didn't have a wife, a family that depended on it. So yes, there was some stressful times, but at the same time, I was learning this lesson on my own. And I only had to worry about what I was going to eat. But what has remained true through that is as now I am married and I do have three kids, and there still have been times where I get in this bad place and I start to worry about money, about whatever it is. And it's an anchor for me that I remember how God was faithful then and how he continues to be faithful today. I'll never forget, I was playing disc golf. I played a lot of disc golf when I was unemployed because it was free and it took up some time. And so I played a lot of disc golf. And so I was out playing disc golf one day, and I got a phone call, and it said, the 
it was learning services on the other end saying, hey, the hiring freeze has lifted. We'd like to offer you that job. And I said, I will be there in five minutes to sign those papers. <laughs> dropped, dropped what I was doing, drove into the office, signed the papers. And I worked there for the next two years. And it was a great place to work. And God was so faithful in providing. And you would think the best part for me of that story is to see God's provision through everything. And that was really important. But honestly, looking back, hindsight being 2020. One of my favorite parts of that story is my boss, who I worked for, who I shared an office with for a little bit. His name was, his name's Eric, and he had, him and his family had kind of taken a break from church for a little bit. So here I come in the office, and well, what are you here for? Well, I'm here to help start a church. Oh, what type of church are you starting? Well, we thought we were going to do college ministry, but we've actually ended up doing more homeless ministry than college ministry, but God's been faithful, and oh, well, that sounds like really hard work. Yep, it is. And we just kept having conversations. We went on a couple business trips together, did this. Well, now, all these years later, he is one of the most faithful members of that congregation. Him and his wife are there every week, serving all the time. And he has just started taking classes, become a Christian counselor, and wants to go into full-time vocational ministry. So I'm thankful for God's provision but I'm thankful that I was patient enough to wait on the job that I felt like God had for me for the work that he was going to do through me to impact Eric and Kelly and their kids. But also, now that I've left and I'm not a part of that church anymore, to know that it's still there and it's still growing and God is still doing amazing things through an opportunity that I had to work selling educational software for two years. So where is God wanting to use you today? What is God calling you to? How does he want to use your life, your story, your circumstance in the lives of others? As we finish up, there's something I'd like to share with you as I was preparing for this. This week, this is something that I noticed that I had never seen before. Um, and so I thought this would be a good way to wrap up the, the conversation today, and it's this. Galatians 5, through 23, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And what that means, what the fruit of the Spirit is, if you're not familiar, is that when we accept Christ into our life and the Spirit comes in, some fruit that is produced in our lives, some markers that we are following Jesus is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all markers that come up in our lives that we can start to, people start to use and identify as you grow. And if you lay this verse, Romans 12, 19 through 16, on top of it, you see some direct action steps of how that's practically played out in your life. And for me, this is important because I am a doer. I like action steps. I like to know what I should be doing. And if you look at it, for love, love must be sincere. Joy, be joyful in hope. Peace, live at harmony with one another. Patience, be patient in affliction. Kindness, share with God's people who are in need. Goodness, cling to what is good. Be faithful in prayer. Bless those who persecute you. It's all right there. So my encouragement, my Monday morning application for you is this week, that what you would do is that you would read Romans 12, 9 through 16 every day. And read it with a prayerful posture. 
before you read it, ask God, show me what you are wanting to do in my life. What areas of my life need some work? What areas of life are, in my life are you trying to grow me up in, cultivate life in? How do you want me to be more like you to the people that I'm around? And just watch. Watch what God does. And it may not be something that happens right away, but over the course of the next however long, as you continue to press into these things, maybe for you, the love that you show your kids, your wife, your neighbor, your coworkers, you need to make sure that that love is sincere and has no strings attached. Maybe for you, you need to make sure that you're okay with associating with people in lower positions. Maybe for you, it's practicing hospitality. Whatever it is, know that God is faithful to complete this work in you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you um, for your desire to grow us up for your desire to work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, Lord. And I pray for everyone here that as we leave this place and go on our way, that, that we have already started to think about how you want to impact us and use us in the lives of others. Father, I pray that we're able to find hope and joy in the fact that you are our Father and you call us son and daughter. I pray that we are able to be faithful in prayer, that when things are difficult and life around us, the walls feel like they're coming in, that we know that we can go to you in prayer and that you will hear us and that we will be patient to wait for our maturity and the completion that you have for us, Lord. Help us to be okay with the process. And thank you for your patience with us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.